0: Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This podcast is sponsored by Wine Access for amazing champagnes and other fantastic sparkling wines. You've got to check them out wineaccess.com slash WFMp Get 10% off your first order. Listen in the middle of the show for more details. I had the pleasure of meeting Agathe Belanger in an event in Durham, North Carolina, not too far from where I live. She was lively, lovely. The entire crowd was gathered around her, so knowledgeable about Champagne Le Brun de Nouvelle. The wine was unbelievable. These are not your run-of-the-mill champagnes. They are wines of terroir. They have true points of differentiation. I am so excited to have Agathe here to speak about these wines and about the sub-region of Côte de Cézanne. Welcome, got Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your invitation. Tell us about Le Brun de Nouvelle and how it came to be, because it started in 1963, and there was a group of growers that came together, and maybe we should talk a little bit about the politics of the grower community in Champagne and how the big houses really dominate what goes on there? Because I'm assuming yeah. that all of these people probably at some point sold to Moet or one of the larger houses, right?
1: Yeah, it's true that. Just to um, talk about the context that in Champagne, we used to, to talk about two groups, the negotiations. So negotiations is the big houses, big brands, and the growers. So these big groups, as to discuss always, to deal together, I would say that 90% of the vineyard is owned by the growers. And 70% of the champagne has been sold by the negotiation. So that's why both groups have to, uh, to discuss and have to deal always together. Because one group is owning and one group is selling the most part. Le is quite young. It's young compared to this big group of big houses. Coup de Cézanne terroir is quite a young terroir. The champagne appellation extended in um, 1959. And as soon as uh, it extended in the Côte de Cézanne region, Le Brandonville starts to create something. So the creation is 1963, so quite
0: young in the Champagne. Isn't they were already growing and it wasn't carved out and named? Or was this a new, it wasn't even planted? No, it was not even
1: planted. As soon as the Champagne Appellation extended in ni- 1959. So at that time, there is no uh, vineyard in the Côte de Cézanne area. Only field, only cereals field and everything only more about agriculture, about farming. So all these people that are, were owning some land, fields, or even sometimes nothing, it was more about forest or something,
0: they just convert the field into vineyard. I had no idea. It's always been that the Côte de Cézanne is with the other prestigious Appalachians when they talk about the... Appellations, Vallée de la Marne, Côte, Côte de Blanc, de right, right. the Then there's, oh, has always been this conflict with the southern part. But I always assumed that Côte de Cézanne was part of the Côte de Blanc. I think a long time ago,
1: the Champagne Appellation Comité Champagne and all these institutions that were really communicating about the, the Champagne area, they make things a bit easier for people from France or abroad to understand. So we were talking about a main sub-region, about Montagne de Reims, Vallée de la Marne, Côte des Blancs, and Côte des Bords. So it was easier for people to understand about these four sub-regions. But indeed, there is many and many more sub-regions. We talk about Massif de saint Thierry, Vallée de l'Arte, de Petit d'Auptit-Morin. that are other sub-regions. There is the Vitrilla as well. So indeed, there is more and more sub-regions. But I think a long time ago, it was easier for everyone to understand, okay, champagne, and maybe go a bit deeper and talk about Côte des Blancs and everything. But now as people are getting more and more into wine and want to know more and want to discover, are really curious, we start talking more about this small celebration and especially because Côte de Cézanne is quite younger terroir, not really well known because of that, because it's young and because it has been always in link with Côte des Right. It, it's true that we are on the same soil, same grapes variety, mainly Chardonnay. And uh, we are really on the south part of the Côte des Blancs. But if we go deeper, of course, there is some similarities and differences. So that's why we, we use now to talk about Côte de Cézanne and cote Petit d'Auptit-Morin, that it's in reality between Côte de Cézanne and Côte des Blancs. That's another subregion, a smaller subregion. And it's called Coteau du Petit Marat in between.
0: I was going to talk about the business part, but let's talk about the terroir since we're already into it. Can you talk about the Cote de Cézanne and the defining features of the terroir and maybe how it's different from Montagne de Rem or Vallée de la Man or Cote de Bar? So Cote de
1: Cézanne, um, so as I say, that's some similarities with the Cote des Blanc and some differences as well. Uh, So that's why for a long time we've been in link with. So Champagne area in total is a bit less than 35,000 hectares. Côte de Cézanne is uh, 1,500 hectares. So that's why also we call it a small sub region because it's quite small terroir. And there is 12 villages in the Côte de Cézanne area, 12 AOC villages. And the main part of the grape varieties in Côte de Cézanne is Chardonnay, 60% of Chardonnay and 40% of Pinot Noir. Some plots of Meunier, but it's really, really few. It's not really a Meunier terroir. It's really Chardonnay terroir, some Pinot Noir as well. But some Pinot Noir more on the north of the Côte de Cézanne and Chardonnay more on the south of the Côte de Cézanne. So this subregion is from the north to the south is 40 kilometers only. So I don't know. I I didn't do the mice, but... It's uh, like 20
0: miles, 22 miles. Yeah. So
1: it's quite, yeah. Small ones, the uh, soil will be, and subsoil will be really about chalk, about clay and chalk. That's why we have some similarities with the Côte de Blancs because it's really chalky, chardonnay. The main difference would be sun exposition because the Côte de Cézanne is only planted in one hill and facing south, south-east. So the chardonnay get ripe earlier compared to the, the Côte de Blancs area and they are more exposed on a really warmer terroir and south-south-east exposed terroir. So these Chardonnay are a bit more solar compared to the Côte de Blanc area and
0: fruity. The Côte de Blanc has things planted on north-facing slopes as well, is that what you're saying? Yeah, Wow. north east yeah. That must be really yeah. hard to ripen for them. Yeah, a,
1: a bit more, not a bit more difficult, but a bit more longer to ripen. Right. Usually
0: we have one week, one week and a half difference of ripeness. Yeah. Okay, so there's chalk soils. Munet, it's not a heavy enough terroir, it sounds like, for Munet. No, Mune really needs. Trading, no. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah. What exactly is the climate? I'd love to talk about the climate because Champagne is at 49 degrees north latitude, 49 and a half. And it, it is so far north. But we keep reading about a lot of climate change that's happening in the area. So are you actually originally from Champagne? Are you from the region?
1: Yeah, I am. F- I am from Cezanne, So, Cézanne is uh, from the domain. It's like 15 minutes driving. So, yeah, I- I'm from the Terra where Le Brun de is based, and I'm from Champagne. Do yeah. your parents,
0: did they work in wine or no? Yes. Yeah, my mummy. Yes. Oh, my mummy is is working on the vine. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And so you didn't want to work in the vine, so you're you're the export manager. Yeah. Right? I didn't. I, say I decided that to
1: do uh, something else. One day maybe I will come back
0: in the vine, but for now I I like what I do and and it's a really good way to promote well where I, I grow. It's fantastic, and you travel all over the world, which is really exciting because you're young. So this is exactly what you should be doing right now. It must be very very cool to yeah, to do this. That's
1: true. And talking about co is You know, you grew up somewhere and you just
0: walk talking about where you grew up. Right. Yeah. So it's cold. It's quite cold. Yeah, it's familiar to you. Okay, so let's get back to the climate because you're young, but you're not so young that you wouldn't remember that it might have been a little bit different even 25 years ago when your mom, being somebody who is a farmer, she must also say, OK, things are not the same. So could you talk about just in general what the climate is supposed to be like and then what the reality is? I think it's less about people keep saying, oh, it's getting warmer, it's getting warmer. That may be true, but it's it's more than that, isn't it? It's a lot of weird. It's of course it's getting warmer. And the main problem
1: is that the harvest are coming sooner. So usually like 20, or 15 or 20 years ago. We were more harvesting late September, beginning of October. And just to go on the extreme part uh, on 2020, we start harvesting mid August. my gosh. That's really extreme, right. uh, of course. But yeah, the, the, the main problem is that the harvest are, are, are coming sooner. So of course we get a maturity that can be a bit higher if we wait the longest time. And the the main problem is that we used to say that the harvest from September, better harvest because we get cooler temperature and we do not risk to turn into um, too ripe grapes or maybe think that it's ripe, but at the same time, do not get the right sugar level. So that's really um, the main problem because we are at this time with a warmer temperature, always fighting with sugar level and, and ripeness. So that's the main problem. The other problem will be uh, that we get uh, more and more of frosts. Uh, frost. So that's the other extreme on the winter. So this year we, in the Code area, we do not get some frost, but 2021 was really, really aggressive in, in frost. Yeah. sparles the vine in some clothes on the, on the region. We had some lows from 50 to 80% of the vine. Oh, my gosh. Uh, not on every village, of course, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it has been really damageable. So I think what the climate change is doing is going really on extreme sometimes. So that's the main problem to manage. And, uh, of course, against guess the, the, the weather can't do anything after the frost we can't do anything so of course there is a way to to avoid some but yeah that's the only
0: really main problem yeah and also isn't there hail sometimes as well you have some hail storms yeah yeah sometimes we are gaps one on uh in in Cezanne especially
1: on last Sunday uh of course no damage in Cezanne especially on the vineyard but some village it was not too aggressive but you never knows and uh, on some villages some damage so we are always in risk to get some aggressive storm. Again, we can't do anything. Just wait and 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 pray <laughs> right? and pray that nothing will will happen.
0: What about rain? Because you can't irrigate, and it used to be that Champagne was quite rainy. Is it drier during the yeah. growing season now, or is it the same?
1: Uh, champagne is as is really mostly located. So it's a really an, a rainy, uh, rainy region. So we got some constant rain. And because of the shock, even when the, the summer is really hot, the, the shock is able to uh, um, um, absorb it, absorb it, and give some water to the vine when it needs it. Of course, when we do not get some rain for a long time, some few few weeks, or few months, of course we can. Uh, if, if the temperature is getting really uh, higher, we can have some vine that will be not irrigated. But of course the system is really that the shulk will uh, will absorb the water
0: and will provide the water that is needed to the wine. So usually drought is not a big problem for you yet. You're not seeing Usually not. Yeah. Usually that's not, good. but it, it can be. I wanna ask you about sustainability and organics. It is very hard if you talk to anybody who is in the northern climates. Like Germany, in the Finger Lakes, even in New York, in the Loire, where you are, it can be incredibly difficult to do organics. And people have become... Yeah, because of the rain. Right. And people have become so nuts about becoming pure about, okay, it has to be organic, or else it's not good. Can you explain the benefit of being sustainable which is what you are it goes hand in hand with a terroir there are some terroirs where it is very easy like in sicily to be organic it does not rain they do dry farming they have very dry breezes they don't worry about that there are other places i was just in Campania where it rains 180 days a year they have a much more difficult time doing it. And I I say this in a lot of shows. I know listeners, you must be sick of me saying this, but I think it's very important to drill into the mentality of wine drinkers that organics is not the best way in every region. And if you want to have wine from champagne, it is going to be very, very difficult for a grower to achieve that. And in some ways, it may be harder on the land and the people and less sustainable from an economic and social perspective and even an environmental one, because the terroir of Champagne, I'm not suggesting that we should be putting plastic bags. Didn't they used to lay plastic bags over the over the vineyards to like protect it? They shouldn't be doing that, but maybe something different. Can you talk about sustainability versus organics? Of course, organic is, is quite difficult in
1: Champagne as we are really um, northly located, so of course a lot of rain. And that's why it's, it's quite difficult to engage organic. I think we are one of the last vineyard in France that has so much organic granules, but of course there is some other way to do. And I think Champagne did a lot of effort since a few years. So of course it takes time. It takes longest time compared to other, as you say, drier terroir and and sunny, more sunny terroir. So of course it, it's quite difficult, and and people. Of course, I'm, I'm not always really aware about what is the difficulty. It, it's a lot of things, but I think uh, Champagne today is uh, really engaged and did a lot of effort and will do again. Of course, there is certification that has been engaged and to talk about Le Brun Neville since 2008, uh, we engaged certification and we, pay more the kilo, we give an extra cost to the growers that are engaged certification or engaged uh, to reduce or to do not use any more pesticide. We do a uh, like uh, extra fees uh, uh, when we pay the kilos to encourage them. So that's a huge effort for the
0: Honneville to do this. It's very difficult to get some of these older growers to believe that there are other ways of doing this, right? One of the the things, and again, I've only read about this. I, don't, I haven't talked to anybody, but my impression is that the growers are worried because they know what the risks are and they're concerned that if they get off of pesticides that they'll lose their crop and then they have no money. So it is incredibly difficult to say to someone, I'll pay you more, but then the risk for them is so high because they yeah. know what can happen. So it is a very long process. And I think that we all want people to treat the earth well right now. You know, I mean, that is where we all are, all are, I think. But Also, we can understand that it's going to take a long time in some cases to convince these people that their livelihood is not at risk by switching to better cultivation. That just by doing a little bit less or no roundup or whatever it is that you're trying to get them off of, that they can still grow a crop. But I think it's really hard.
1: Yeah, it takes a really long time to explain, to show, to convince, and sometimes even if people can do it, they're just, as you say, they're just worried, they're just scared. And also they have to change process into the, um, the company. It depends if they work with family. So it's process to change, it's mind to change. And sometimes it takes for some people uh, just few seconds to say, okay, I'm going to change. And for other people, it takes maybe a few years to say, okay, I'm going to change. And I think it's not only in Champagne, it's not only in Vineyard, but it's for everything in life. Um, <laughs> it's and, true. and when, especially for farmers, for growers, when you touch about lands, it's like people walking in land, people working with, with nature. Of course they are a bit more worried because they manage, but they don't manage all because the weather and, and the nature is, is taking more importance. It takes times, but I think the will really encourage people since a uh, long time. And today, more than 60% of the vineyard is certified. Oh, that's uh, great. Or HVE or VDC. So, HVE in, in French means Haute Valeur Environnementale. So, this is common for every vineyard in France. And we have also VDC, that is really particular, really specific to Champagne area. Viticulture durable en Champagne. So, it means sustainable viticulture in or Champagne area. But that's a really um, a specific certification for our uh, appellation. Right. So today, more than 60% of our vineyard is certified by these two certification. Um, and also, you know, uh, certification costs money. Right. That's also can be uh, something that for really, really small. Right. Uh, Growers. Yeah. Really small vineyard that can be also a bit more difficult. So sometimes really small vineyard in, in reality, they, they they are. They just work in a really good way. Yes. Uh, but they are, they have not the stamps organic, all this, all this, all this, because it takes money, it takes time. And it's a such a long process. All the paperwork. To get
0: yeah, they don't want to do it. I see that everywhere. People are working really well, but they don't want to get the certification. And then I think it is really important for people to just understand that people are really trying to do the best that they can. They want their land to last. We've already seen what happens when you use all of the chemical treatments. Probably the first 10,000 years of farming and making wine was a lot better than the last 150. In all of agriculture, in the whole world, we've done some bad stuff to the earth. And we have to try to fix it, and we're trying to fix it. Nobody who owns a farm is saying, you know what I want to do? I want to destroy all the soil. So that next year, it's not great and the grapes don't grow very well. Nobody's saying that. It's it, There's a lot of other factors, I think, that are involved in it. I think the other thing that I would love for you to talk about, but it really plays into this conversation, is that we in wine get one chance per year. We are not a wheat crop. We're not vegetables. We get one harvest a year. And in Champagne that can go very well, like in 18, 19, 20 was good, even though it was hot. Or it could go very badly, like 21, right? So it is really, really important with grape growing and with champagne. Can you talk about the vintage variation? Because it's not like you're guaranteed a great harvest every year. And and Um, the way that champagne is made, which we will get into how Le Brun de Nouvelle makes wine... But the way that champagne is made has to be the way that it's made because most of the time you're not going to be able to declare a vintage because of this.
1: No, of, of course, sometimes we are really, really happy and sometimes there is some damage because of nature or there is low yields just because, okay, the vintage is good, but the vine do not decide to give a lot of, pride. right? So we just have to deal with everything and of course it's, it's quite complicated, but it's also already something magic from, from our job. But of course there is many variations sometimes. For example, like uh, 2019 was really, really good vintage. We planned to launch a 2019 vintage uh, at the end of the year. So we see that it was really amazing now. Then after 2020, it was a good harvest, but because of the slow yields that has been fixed uh, because of COVID, of course we do not harvest what we can. Because the vine gave a lot, but the yield was fixed, and because of COVID, because of economy, the yield what that was um, allowed to uh, to harvest. Right. Was really so old. can you
0: explain that you are not permitted to harvest? No. Right. So can you just explain that? Because I think uh, that we know the this. The yields
1: thing. are based uh, not on what the vine can give, but it's really a measure about the sales of the year before. So, of course, in 2020, when you do our harvest 2020, you think about the year before, but you think also about the sales of next year, about 15 months later. And because of 2020, everyone was thinking that the demand will be really, really low. So that's why the yield has been fixed quite low compared to what the vine was able to give at the time. And in 2021, the demand was quite high after covid we get a lot of damage in the vineyard because of froze, because of
0: some rain as well that provides some mildews. So they should not have done that because it's the committee interprofessional, right? It's good it's bad at the same times
1: because this committee is here to regulate. And at that time, no one was able to think that one year after COVID, the genome will be so high. So committee is here really to, uh, uh, to regulate and out, um, do more stock than what
0: the market is about to buy right but the problem is that because of the vintage variation you know that at some point things are not going to go well in champagne i mean it's just the pattern so they should have let you make those wines and hold them in reserve I hope you're loving this show. I love Agat and the wines of Le Brun du Nouvelle are spectacular. If you want to find wines like Le Brun du Nouvelle and explore grower champagnes, I'll tell you where to do that. Wine access. Go to wineaccess.com WFMP. You'll get 10% off your first order and you will be able to see a vast selection of of small grower champagnes that are of impeccable quality selected by the professional team at Wine Access. They have amazing, amazing relationships in Champagne. If you are interested in going beyond the big brands and supporting some of these smaller growers like Le Brun de Nouvelle and others, go to Wine Access. You will see champagnes that are pretty much guaranteed to be great quality because they have been selected by a team who tries thousands and thousands of wines and only accepts the best. Every box comes with information on serving temperatures on the winery. It's such a great supplement to your local wine shop. It is such a great way to discover things that you wouldn't normally find. You can join your fellow listeners in really understanding why this is such a class act. People love wine access. I love wine access. Go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP. If you want to join the Wine Access Wine for Normal People Wine Club, wineaccess, Wine Access, slash normal to get a shipment of six awesome wines every quarter. You will get special materials from me, you will get videos from me. Check it out today, wineaccess.com slash normal. And don't forget, classes are available. WineForNormalPeople.com slash classes. We've had a bunch of new people take classes lately. People have been loving them. So I hope you will too. If you love the podcast, you really like dorking out about wine, you can do that with me and a group of fantastic people. So fun. Of course, if you want special videos and special tastings and more in-depth information, you can help support the podcast and help keep it alive by going to Patreon.com slash wine for normal people p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash wine for normal people there are years of posts on that site and great conversations and a community that really loves wine if you want to take your hobby to the next level join Patreon. It's as little as $21.60 a year and only 4% of listeners donate. So if you want to join, we would really appreciate it. Patreon.com slash wine for normal people. Now let's get back to this awesome show with Agathe Balanger from Le Bronte de Nouvelle. I do want to go back. Let's talk about Le Brun de Nouvelle. We didn't even get to this. So you had these 26 growers that come together who have just planted the area in Côte de Saison. Is that what it was in 1963? Or they had been selling to the big houses? How did it work? Yeah. So
1: just, yeah, to come back yeah. to the introduction of Le Brun de Nouvelle. So Le Brun de Nouvelle has been founded in 1963 by 26 growers of the village around. There were 26 at that time, and they just decided to put some money in common to put all the grabs together. And for 10 years, they just sell the grabs to the big house to uh, get some cash flow, of course. And 10 years later, in 1973, they just release the first bottle. During these 10 years, they get some cash flow from the big house, selling the grabs, and they build everything. And they start releasing their own brand in, uh, in 1973. So today we are a bit more than 200 grabbers on 160 hectares.
0: How is it working? Do they have an exclusive contract with Le Brun de Neville? So today Le Brun de Neville is
1: based on 70% of sales with the negotiation with the big house and 30% of grabs that are ah. dedicated to Le Brun de Neville.
0: You can never not have a relationship with the big houses. Even the, like, the grower brands, you know, they have all of that. I mean, you're a grower brand basically, but, like, you know, it's a grower co-op, but it's a grower brand. There's some people that have made it. They still sell grapes to the big guys, don't they? You have yeah, to. Because,
1: yeah, for first we have to, uh, because it's a really um the market. As we say at the really beginning, 90% of the land is owning by the growers, and 70% of the champagne is selling by the big house. Majority of them, they they buy the grapes from cooperative or from growers and all the time the, the, um, the economic situation of champagne has been made like this and 70% of the serves are made by the negotiation. and so that's why we respect this scale to offer the, the, the market what they need and we keep
0: 30% for the Brandonville brand. Right. That makes sense. How does it work? Do the growers reserve a certain type of fruit for you? How does that get parsed out so that you make sure that you have the right grapes for the wines that you want to make in Le Brun de Nebel? First, we work
1: with most of the um, same family since 60 years. So, of course, we know well the tower, we know well the people. And today, we, we know well also what we want and where we want to go as well for the future. And we, we know well our partner as well. The thing is, is not to keep the best for us and to give what we don't want to the negotiation. The thing is, it's keep champagne going higher and higher and higher in quality and do not play by yourself. They are coming in the Côte season for what is Côte de Cézanne, of specificity of Côte de Cézanne, but also about the process we work and and what we do on the on the wine because we sell some grape juice right so directly after the press, but most of the activity we have uh, with the negotiation is by selling still wine. So what they, they want from us is the wine after first
0: fermentation. Oh, so you sell base wine to them. Yeah. Do they tell you how they want you to make it? They, no, they have we, specifications? we make the, the steel wine. Yep. Then as
1: soon as they choose what they want, so we make a tasting yep. with, with them. We choose together what is available for them, what we want to keep for us and everything. And they choose which tank we provide them. So after that, we send them the steel wine in-, in tank. And from that, from what they were looking from us and what f- they were looking from
0: other tewa and other cooperative and other brewers, they will make their own style. Right, right. Got it. Okay, let's talk about your wines though. 90% of what you make is Chardonnay. What does Chardonnay do for your wines besides make them absolutely fabulous. What is the role of Chardonnay? I mean, it is, I think, the most important grape in Champagne by far, right? No, Pinot Noir is the most important
1: planted grapes
0: varieties and
1: Chardonnay nuts, but it's almost one third of each. But indeed, it's more Pinot
0: Noir than Chardonnay in Champagne. Right. But in terms of what Chardonnay does for the wine, Chardonnay is more important. I guess that's what I'm saying. Chardonnay uh, yeah. is, yeah, Chardonnay yeah, is course, more... Because of the
1: freshness. Yes. Yeah. It's
0: much more... Im- so although Pinot may be the base of it, Chardonnay is more prestigious than Pinot because of its elegance, of its ageworthiness. Yeah. Of course, Chardonnay is really well known because of what it provides to the
1: wine. Right. It gives... Really nice elegance, a really uh, good freshness, long finish, uh, dryness, and a bit acidic. So uh, of course, we, Le Brun de is working on 90% of Chardonnay and 10% of Pinot Noir. And what we want on the wine with Chardonnay is really to keep this freshness and to express this freshness from the Côte de sedan. Even if we have a quite general solar Chardonnay because of the sun exposition of the south southeast east I think, what we want to express really is, is this freshness. That's why main main part of the vinification is made in pot Prat to express the freshness and the really uh, pure souring.
0: It definitely shows in the wine. So when the growers bring the grapes in, I am completely impressed, or my mind is blown by this. You vinify them all separately, right?
1: Yeah, we from from the harvest time, from the past time, uh, we used to separate the grapes varieties. The villages and the, the way of how the vine has been grown. Then, on the blending time, we have a, a huge sort of still wine and make us to have really complex blend. For some of our wine, we want to keep the same style every year. We really have a huge amount of different still wine coming from different village coming from different cultural process to have a Huge playground.
0: You have four different lines of wines. Can you talk about each of them? And I'm assuming that because you've been in business long enough now, you probably know when certain growers come in whose things are going to go in which wines. Is that true? Or or does it change every year?
1: Of course, it can change. But we keep the same plots for some specific range or for some specific wine, so, of course, today we get four lines. The first line would be coat. The coat is really in reference so to the Côte de Cézanne. Yes. Yeah, thank you. The code de Cézanne terroir. So this line is really to express what is the terroir. So that's why the main part of the vinification is made in Stenest tank to Do not hide what is the terroir. We want to show it. So we got four blanc de Blancs on all the pots. Because, of course, we have 90% of Chardonnay on the vineyard. All the cuvées are based on Chardonnay led cuvée. We have some Pinot Noir as well, and only one cuvée with the main part of Pinot Noir. But this first line, quote, is really expressing what is the terroir. So we got a Blanc de Blanc, we got an assemblage Chardonnay Pinot Noir, we got a Rosé. And it's more generous wine, everyday champagne, more aperitif cuvée. And this line is representing 80% of of the production, 80% of the sale as well. So the thing is to get the same... Constant style, even if because of different vintage, it will change a bit, but a constant style. And the philosophy is that this cuvee has to be appreciated by everyone or almost everyone. Uh, but we want something quite enjoyable, even if we are really cohesive a matter of if you are not at all
0: into wine, you should like it. The one that I tried was an extra brute. And it was yeah. just, you don't often see that style out of champagne. It was just so dry you really do taste the terroir because of that. Your upper tiers are very, very different in an amazing way. I mean, these, as you're listening to this, please be Googling because I'm letting you know these wines, they are, to me... And I know you sell to the big houses, but like if you want a real champagne, a champagne that really, I know we're always all looking for like, what is the little champagne that we can buy? Here it is. It has this elegance to it that is unbelievable. So, okay, sorry. Talk about the other. That was no, my testimonial. No. <laughs> um, it's
1: really nice because I think today champagne is its really booming. Customer and growers are exploring everything. And that's really, really nice because it was more in the past, quite... Um, it was just it, big it brands. It was mainly big brand or something quite general, like Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Meunier. And today, we are just exploring the terroir. We are exploring what we can do in the cellar, and it's pretty nice. And that's why in Le de Neuville we have four lines, because we are exploring a lot of things as well. Okay, so talk about the other three. Yeah, the, the other, Le Chemin is three champagne, one Blanc de Blanc, one Blanc Assemblage, Chardonnay Pinot Noir, and one Rosé that are coming from specific plots. So we will do more plots approach. We will dedicate some plots, some grovers, because we are looking for some specific village or spawn specific plots. A part of that we used to age for four to five years this line, and we used to age under quark. So it's meant that instead to use uh, the crown cap during the second fermentation, we use a natural a cork. cork. Wow. Like, like a, a, r- a regular wine, right. Yeah, And it was the way of doing the second fermentation in the past. It was the historical way of right. uh, of aging the champagne. And this will allow oxygen to go in and to go out. So we got a complex and really enjoyable wine, really more expressive line. So that's Lichumant. That's really nice for pairing with food. And that's a really amazing wine. Then we have another line that we call Autolis. Autolise has been aged for 10 to 12 years, even 14 years sometimes. And all the line, especially from the aperitif cuvee, are aged for a minimum of three to four years. That's really the minimum for all the wine that we release.
0: Right. Just to set the standard, a generic champagne is 15 months on the Lees. You're talking about many yeah. factors of aging more than that. So I just want to set the standard here also yeah, that because, because you're your like aging these for way longer.
1: Yep. We, we, we like this complexity coming from the long aging on leaves. And of course, the, the minimum that is mandatory in champagne is 15 months. And of course, that main big brands are aging the champagne for the minimum of 15 months because right. they need a quick rotation. But we, we like this long aging on the leaves. So especially the auto-lead line that is really made on the long auto-leaves, on the long aging on the, leaves, the minimum of 10 years and go up to, yes, 14, 15, 15 years um, so uh, same, we got Blanc de Blanc, we got Rosé, and we got also the only cuvée on that line, Autolise Noir et Blanc, that is the main part of Pinot Noir. That's the only cuvée with the main part of Pinot Noir. We do this cuvée only on the best year for Pinot Noir. And this line, Autolise, is really main on the best vintage. We use the best vintage, the best plots to release that cuvée, because there will be a uh, wine that are uh, really dedicated to, uh, I put the shell of aging.
0: They are outstanding. You brought those to the event I was at, and I could not believe the flavors of those wines. I've had some aged champagne before, but not something like that. They have. Some quality of the terroir is so strong, but then you taste the leaves and the breadiness and it tastes like a croissant. It's awesome. Those wines are really special. If you are someone that loves that yeasty flavor that you get out of champagne, it's like eating a piece of bread in a yeah, bottle. It's, it's delicious. It's a line
1: that is really dedicated to people that really like old wine. In Le Bras we like old wine. We, we like young too, but... We like really old wine, and we can really have beautiful pairing with food. Especially, that's wine that are made to take time to sit with people and, and share beautiful moments. Then the last line is some vintage, the line that we use to call millésime. Vintage millésime in French means vintage. So we do not release every year. We only uh, release vintage on the best year. Nowadays, we are commercializing 2008, 2009. So
0: long, so old.
1: 2008, it's still available in the U.S., but it's not available anymore on, at the winery. It's completely sold out, but U.S. still have.
0: Yes. Oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, we had the 2012 outstanding, yeah, 2012 in outstanding wines. Yes, And
1: 2018 in, uh, in in white. Uh, but yeah, nowadays we, we are on... 2009 and soon 2012. So yeah, we are really excited
0: about 2012 as well. I want to ask you some questions about the winemaking, just some things that make it yeah. different. First of all, can you explain, you just selected a new Chef de Cove, right? Your Chef yeah. de Cove, who had been there since 1986, has retired. You know, how do you select that person? And then how do you make the determination? Like, For instance, some things go through malolactic fermentation, and sometimes people don't like malolactic fermentation in champagne because it makes it heavy. And in some cuvées, you use oak, and some you don't. And I'm just trying to figure out, how does this work? Is it based on history? Is it just sort of a recipe? Or
1: I think it's about... Recipes and something that we could talk about for a few hours. So, of course, uh, Jean Baltazar, our chef de cave, uh, gets retired uh, last February after 37 years uh, wow. in the Bravo de Ville. So, almost all his career. And we uh, welcome new chef de cave one year ago now, Cyril Delanois. Cyril uh, is uh, an analogist. So, he got a diploma national in 2013. And he has been working for almost uh, nine years. So he has some experience before, but he has been working in the code He was working as an analogist consultant, and then he was looking to make his own incubate to do uh, things by his own. And uh, now he's really uh, sharing his experience as an analogist in the past. To be honest, of course, we have a base guideline, especially for the code line. We'd like to adapt because of the vintage, we'd like to adapt because of the flavor, because of the aromas that we get from different vintage. Of course, there is a base. There is for each line, there is a philosophy that we imagine. We'd like also to go deeper sometimes, to go a bit apart from the line and to say, okay, this maybe we imagine and we will try for. So the, the main philosophy again, is the freshness. We use mainly stainless steel term, Eighty okay? percent of the vinification is made on a stainless steel tank, and 20% would be in all barrels. But again, the freshness is really the base. Oak barrels, of course, we use, we use for complexity. We use to bring some different aromas and we use also for specific trevelis. But again, we want to keep that Chardonnay that are really fresh and pure.
0: So would you only use it like for part of the cuvee, not the whole thing, because it would make it too heavy? I, or I how would is say
1: that That's especially the coat line, the, the everyday one has between 5 and 10% maximum, just to bring some complexity, but to do not hide the chardonnay, to do not hide the freshness and the terroir. Some, especially white cuvee, is 100% oak barrels. And for Le Chemin line, the, the line that is age under coat, we used to do the first fermentation in oak barrels for bigger part of the chardonnay but it's always you know about about balance and about feelings also even if we have to adapt ourselves every year we use uh, the malolactic fermentation on the young wine but not on the reserve that will help to have uh, a reserve that will be uh, will be really fresh for a long long time the oldest reserve wine that we have on the cellar is 2008 and do not make the malolactic fermentation on it help keep it the longest as possible. So that's really the the, the philosophy for, for the main part. Then after, just to finish about the dosage, this long aging only, minimum three, four years, and 10 and 15 and sometimes 20 <laughs> years for some special edition. And then for disgorgement, we use to really uh, uh, accurate and low dosage. We really taste before each disgorgement to think about it and, and to really think about each philosophy. Before this and we wait. Minimum four months after the disgorgement. We'd like to have six months, and sometimes it would be one
0: year after the disgorgement. Oh my gosh. I just want to remind everybody dosage is the sugar add back, wine and sugar add back. Sometimes you add no sugar. Sometimes you add a little bit of sugar. That's going to be extra brute or brute. And then sometimes you'll make a sweet wine. You even make a sweet champagne, which is very yeah. old school. Nobody does that anymore. We make douce cout. Right. I so saw means- that. I sweet. love sweet, sweet champagne cream. with like strawberry desserts, things like that. It's so, and it's such a lost art because all champagne used to be sweet. So it's, it's a really historic In the past, product. All the
1: champagne used to be sweet, even with uh, 50 or 60 grams of sugar <laughs> per liter like, a long, long time ago. <laughs> So we used that was to, what the like, Russian you.
0: czars used to like, right? I mean, that was like the big product of all of the royalty. You hear like, yeah. oh, royalty drank champagne. It's not the champagne that we drink now. It was sweet. No, it's not the champagne that we know now. No, of no. it had um, bubbles, but it was sweet. Yeah, it was really
1: sweet. Yeah, we used to do like a few hundred bottles per year. Uh, but that's really elegant wine. That's demi-sec, what we call demi-sec. Yes, demi-sec, yep. yep. 100% Chardonnay, but demi-sec with dessert or something. Yes, that yes. That would be really Even spicy active. food. Every Every spicy food. food. Yes, Every absolutely. Every spicy food, you know? Yes.
0: Something really at the extreme uh, to, to balance. It. It's really nice, yeah. That's such an excellent thing that you're doing it because most people have just abandoned that. It really is part of the heritage of champagne. Do you hand-riddle everything or do you use a gyro palette? Do you think it matters at all? No. We use pipettes from Magnum that do not fit on the gyro palettes, but
1: most of the Riddling is made by giropellets that save us a lot of time.
0: So much labor and time. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've heard and just, it doesn't make uh, any difference. It makes no difference. No, it doesn't change the It doesn't the make wine. any
1: difference. And as now, the road, are really top of technology. We can really adapt the, um, the Riddling how old we, we
0: want our Riddling. It's fantastic technology. I think it's one of these things where people say, well, wh- what do you mean you're not hand about Every chef de cop I've ever talked to said it's the same exact thing. So the last question, when you look at the future of Le Brun de Nouvelle, when you look at the future of champagne, champagne is booming. Where the rest of the wine industry is Shrinking, And I think there are specific reasons for that. It's, it actually sort of makes sense that champagne is doing so well because I think what's happening now is that people don't want bad wine anymore. So the wine industry has to shrink. Champagne has pretty much high quality wine. So it's not going to affect you as much. But as you go around the world, you were just in Japan. You are here in the US. You go all over the world. You are the export manager for this unbelievable brand. As you look around, what do you feel for the region, both with climate change and for the market? And are you feeling excited? You're at the beginning of your career. You've lived in Champagne your whole life. How are you feeling about all of it—the farming and the the market? It's a question I ask myself every
1: day. Of course, I'm really excited about the future of Champagne. Uh, Champagne in, in general. Of course, we will have to adapt ourselves to climate change. We will have to adapt ourselves. Our to the Gmail that is changing as well, but I trust on champagne appellation that is working so hard on some specific topics on climate change, on other grapes varieties, on, you know, it's a really an appellation that is looking on the future. So that's why I feel uh, reassured because I, I can see that uh, there is a, a lot of experimentation, there is a lot of research about many topics. For, for example, we just add new grabs varieties on the champagne appellation that will be a, a bit more resistant, but at the same time, they will need only one treatment. Um, and what I'm really excited as well is that champagne is exploring what is the terroir, what is possible to do as reducing the, the, the carbon print, Carbon footprint, yeah. Yeah. The, the, so that's why even on, on packaging, on reducing as much as we can, because, of course, wine, is, it won't be never a zero-carbon imprint. So if you want that, we have to stop to drink wine. Right. I think that people have drinking wine since... Uh, 10,000
0: years, yeah. Yes. But we've so only I, made I good it, wine. We've only made good wine in the last probably 100 years. I'm not happy with putting it in an animal skin and letting it ferment by itself. So, yes, we course, cannot so have 100% percent carbon That's right.
1: Won't, it won't be never a zero-carbon imprint. But I think there is many ways to reduce it. I'm also uh, convinced that champagne is, is going on the right way to reduce and reduce. And about Le Brun Ville future, I'm excited too, but because I think that today the quality is getting higher and higher. And I know what is in the cellar because I taste it. So I know that it's coming on the future, even if it in 10 years. But uh, <laughs> I know that it will be uh, really good. So. The best is coming. That's really good. But I think the best is coming for everyone because we are on the mood to explore and to go for a better future.
0: I think what's great is that the Champagne houses have been, I'm sure they're not happy that smaller competitors have popped up because it takes away some of their share, but at the same time there is plenty of room in the market for people like you. And I think there's a lot of interest in something new and something different rather than just the same old brands over and over again. It doesn't mean that those aren't great brands. Those people have tons of money. They have great technology and access to some of the best vineyards. So there are some amazing champagnes from large brands. However, Le Brun de Nouvelle, the wines that you make... You saw everywhere you go, I'm sure, the reaction is just people are going crazy over your wines. They are spectacular. Agat is going to give us a list in the U.S. You're distributed in the U.K. also, right? Yeah. We are so lucky to have access to these wines. Thank you so much for taking the time Thank to talk you. to me. Thank you for coming to North Carolina. and Thank you. It was a pleasure to meet you last month. Someday, I will come and visit you when you're not traveling. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I will come visit you. You have a tasting yeah. room.
1: Here people can contact us and we can organize
0: a tasting here with pleasure. Right. It's fr, right? Yeah, exactly. fr. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.